Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by IronCompany.com. Today we're going to revisit the deadlift. The deadlift is one of the core lifts that can single-handedly add size and strength to the entire body, and many believe it to be the true test of overall strength. It's also one of the three lifts judged in powerlifting meets. Um, before we get started, I want Marty. I want to ask you: Is there uh, what's the story behind the deadlift? If anybody's going to know this, it's you. How did how where did it originate? How did it get started? Oh my god, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't know when. Back Herman Goring was uh, Herman Gorner was doing it in the '30s as part of what circus act stuff, and he supposedly pulled what was it? 770 what was it jim 775 with one hand it was crazy that never really was verified yeah and he was supposedly the first guy to pull 800 uh i trained under hugh cassidy who pulled 800 in what 71 mm. i trained with mark chalet who pulled 880 at uh 270 65 pound body weight mm. i trained with kirk who pulled 825 right well i trained kirk and i trained mark I trained under you, so uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, world record level deadlifters, um, you know, and uh, in competition, I've handled Lamar Gant, uh, Eddie, Ed Cohn, his two competitions where he had his biggest ever total. I, you know, I coached him when he pulled his 901 at 220, and I coached him when he uh, broke the all-time total record at uh, 242. You knew another deadlifter, Doyle Kennedy. Doyle, I, you know, um, I knew him from afar. I respected him a lot. He helped me out at a competition when he really didn't know me. He's like a super cool dude, too. Right? Yeah, and he had a lot of he he was a power player. He was from Portland. Yeah, and had a big beard. Everybody called him Mountain Man. He had that kind of vibe He's about him. Everybody else had that beard. He, Doyle Kennedy was was doing that beard and. Yep. Oh, <laughs> he was a, a man, a man of few words, uh, and but he he developed a, a huge cadre of really top lifters around him in in the Portland Washington area, yeah. and and they'd come into town and man they came in. I remember in 1980, <clears throat> we, I went to the Reno Open. My brother lived in Reno, and they came in and they came in in two two Greyhound buses. <laughs> from portland right and let me tell you the hotel that they were at was pretty wild yeah that was great but i think they brought in like you know 35 lifters Damn. right um because it was a great place to have a meet reno oh wait right. you forgot about brad too yeah, Pardon? Gillingham. Oh, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's the stat? Do you remember the? He is yes. So Brad Gillingham has uh, dead, has pulled uh, eight hundred pounds plus in competition uh, over a hundred times. What was the number? Was it uh, one twenty one or something? Yeah, I think Which, it was one. I think it was one hundred three or one hundred seven. But but the most important thing is second place is like. 35, 30, 35. Yes, it's like in the 20s or 30s, so it's it's crazy. And by the way, he uses a hook grip, yeah, uh, which is even harder. And uh, but it's also well, a thing. it ain't that hard when you're 
as big as Paul Bunyan. Well, yeah, and you've got hands that are like the size of Volkswagens. Yeah, the bar looks like a tinker toy in his hand. (laughs) No, we give those seminars, you know, and Brad and I do the deadlift. I do the sumo. He does a convention. How excited does he get? He's such a mild-mannered guy. And when we start talking about the deadlift and we start putting on plates, you can see his his freaking intensity rise up. Oh yeah, he's like a kid at Christmas. It's really cool to watch. You know, it's uh, yeah. I, even after all these years, you would think that right. his enthusiasm would be dulled, but it's not. But that's true passion. I really love seeing that. And yeah, he's he's got that, and it's very uh, very apparent when he's there with the guys, and we're getting to watch him do his thing with the speed and the ointment and all that stuff. <laughs> Um, and, and, and he's a stylist. He's a well thought out yes, stylist. Yeah. He's given he's given uh, thirty years of thought to deadlifting and yeah. improving the deadlift. He knows that that's been his ace in the hole. Although he's the rarest of birds because there's almost no deadlifters that are also good benchers. You just have a lot of good squatter benchers, but very very few and deadlift, deadlift benchers. And they're six five. Oh, with with incredibly long arms. Yeah, you uh, know the the Philly th- bench is six six hundred pounds raw. Yeah, the thing about him is he's got such a long career and he's he's stayed healthy, and still he's what uh, 53, 54, something like that. He's yeah, I mean, uh, he's him, still pulling just about eight hundred. Yeah, he's he's always good for eight hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brad, Stacy, Kirk, and Mike Tyson were all born in nineteen sixty six. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of characters. <laughs> but um so all right, so I really what I so that's all there is to the deadlift, right? There's no cool like like uh when you told me about the the squat and how the squat started and how they used to uh, compete in the squat. They used to start at the bottom, right? They wouldn't start they wouldn't take a lift off from how we do it today, they started at the bottom. Oh, the English strength set. That was where they did that. The English had some crazy ideas yeah. where they would start to squat. Mm, first off, it was, um, what was it, squat, deadlift, and curl. Mm. Okay. And they started to squat from your below parallel position in a dead stop, like in a power rack. Yeah. Well, that w- that proved to not be very popular. <clears throat> so eventually, they got with the American style, and they replaced the uh, the curl with the squat, or was it the curl with the deadlift? I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. So they got they got squared up with us. Early deadlift European champion Ron Collins. He was the man. He was pulling like seven seventy five at one six five one eight one, something like that. Um, Mostly conventional pullers. Sumo caught on. Was Don Ryan had a sumo puller, Jim? I think he was. Was he? Was he? I don't know. Ah, he might have been conventional. Don Don Ryan had set the. I know OD Wilson was. Uh, Don set the super heavyweight record at eight eight seven, which that's the IPF record that stood for a long time. Cuck was a great early deadlifter, both as a super heavyweight where he pulled, I'm going to say, 880. And then when he dropped to 242, he pulled 8, uh, what was it, 71. And that record stood for, 
12 years until Ed Cohn finally broke it. Cuck was a tremendous deadlifter, um, a conventional style guy. Uh, Danny Wobler, first guy to pull 900 in 1980, a conventional puller. Uh, technically very much like we pull. Um, but I would say of the champions, it was probably a mix of, um, of the, of the world record holders, probably 65 to 70% conventional and, you know, 35 to 40% sumo. Now you were saying uh, a few podcasts ago that you guys should have had, um, had Kirk do the sumo. I, I think so. He, I talked to him about it. He said absolutely not. And but I just think that his legs were so, his stance was so wide because his legs were so big. Yeah. So my thought was, why not just open his stance up another three inches on each side and just put your hands in the middle and make mm -hmm. the skirt shorter, okay. right? And just and just harness those world the strongest legs in the world, brother. Yeah. <laughs> But I think I would have had to have started him doing that when he was when I we started him at twenty, right at age twenty or age eighteen, not at not at age twenty seven where he's already got a world championship under his belt. You don't well, change by then. You know when he came on, he was very much against the sumo. He said, "No, he would have been yeah, made no, fun no of one, and everything no else." No one in our no one in our neighborhood did it. No one right. in the in the D.C. area or the Baltimore area, which is a very strong powerlifting area, nobody did sumo. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so yeah, we were we were all and we were uh, the Cassidy School, which Lay used and we all used was a narrow stance upright, narrow uh, stance width, and very upright, trying to use the legs to break it from the floor, keep the hip hinge in reserve, fire it as the bar hits the knees um and try try not to let the shoulders get in front of the bar at any point in the in the deadlift um you get to if your shoulders get in front of the bar you've got to fire the hamstrings and turn the spinal column into a derrick to put that sucker back into yeah. position right jim yeah you gotta yeah and you gotta have patience with the hips because as soon as you bring those hips through man you're done you gotta I would say have patience, have patience. Now push your hips through, you know. Guys, yeah. you know, Marty, did you get your stance from uh, Cassidy or was it Chalet? Yeah. Well, no, I got it from Hugh. Chalet got it from Hugh. Everybody got it from Hugh. Right. Was, uh, Hugh, was Hugh as narrow as uh, Chalet? Did Chalet take yeah, it? Mark was, yeah, Mark was narrow, but Mark was bigger. Yeah. You, you know, when a guy's whatever 275 at 59 you know takes going to have to take a little bit wider stance than a 198 pound guy at 511 no but Chalet had there was probably like a fist width between his feet that's, would you say that's that's the way he coached it yeah that was his coaching cue right but he had a big ass fist <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know if you noticed uh I've been watching that strong. My, my eight-year-old loves the strongman stuff, so we're watching it. And those guys deadlift, they've all widened their conventional stance out. Is you think that's because they're but so they're damn just big? They're so huge. They're four hundred so pound dudes, right? Yeah. And 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 they're strapping in, right? Yeah, which I hate. But go ahead. And they can just hitch the hell out of it, right? No one cares. Yeah. Right. And it's a totally different lift, and right. it's it's 
if I had one of those, and, and most of these guys are like, aren't they, they're gaining like 100 pounds in five years purposely, very sumo-like. Yeah. Right, like a sumo wrestler have a, uh, they shovel in, what's that, they have the fish, yeah. fish-rice mixture, and they and they throw it down with sake, and they, they slam this stuff all during the, anytime they're not training, they're eating this high-calorie gruel of, and, and their underlings have to keep it cooked and cooked and cooked. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, rice and fish and vegetables and starch. And then they, they nap and they sleep and they, they, they're trying to get gigantic. And that's kind of the strategy. Oh, I see somebody had me watch some Netflix thing and some, one of the huge guys. And, of course, here we go. They're walking around the grocery store with two grocery carts. Like, oh, it's so expensive to be a 440-pound super heavyweight giant. And his wife goes, I'm so sick of cooking. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, kill me, you know. Please, people, go find something else to do. You know, this is not good. Who had the smoothest deadlift? And you've seen him lift a million times, Marty. Dan Austin. Oh, Danny, yeah, of course. But we, St. Louis. We, called, we called him the machine. Him and Gene, Gene. St. Louis and Rob Wagner was doing the Nationals, and I'd never seen Dan Austin uh, deadlift up close. It It's like 771 or something, and it looks like he's lifting 135. Exactly. He just oh. takes that, that slack out so perfectly, yeah. and in one motion, it's locked out. And it's never jolty or jerky. It's so never smooth. particularly explosive. Yeah. But it's it's um, you know it's ir- irrevocable. I mean, it is it's you know relentless. <laughs> I went to uh, he was coaching. He was assistant strength coach at University of South Carolina years ago. Yep. And I went to visit, and I was I knew the head strength coach, and I saw Dan Austin. I was like, Oh, Dan Austin, man, can I ask you some questions? So I picked his brain. Everybody was ready to leave, and I was just sitting there on the fence with him. And he had some great stuff. So. No, he's great. Danny's a very, very smart guy, man. He's quiet and smart. He's very academic. He said, uh, I don't do any of the three power lifts. Um, I think it's like for six months in the offseason. Yeah. yeah, get away from him. He starts deadlifting, never touches the ground. He just yep. thinks about six inches from the ground and turn it around really fast. Continuous tension. Yeah. And Using was, the negative to build the yeah. back muscles. Don't throw it away. Don't drop the damn negative. That's the easy way out. No, you control the negative, and, and that's where you get all the power and the, the torque. Yeah. And your back and your hip, and your, you learn how to break. Yeah. Right? How to put the brakes on, and then it's so easy to reverse gears once you learn how to break. Yeah, it's funny because. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You see a lot of that. You see a lot of that uh, people just kind of free-falling down to the ground and then oh, back all up do. again. They all you do. Know, it's funny because he did that, and I started doing it with my athletes, and they were like, oh, Coach, man, it's mm-hmm. great, it's great. And then we did that, you know, we have that force plate and all that, and what we found out was that type of deadlifting versus the clean or a box jump or anything improved their explode, yeah. right, which is their ability to change direction quickly faster. Yeah, have that. So time. that down to up, when they so what I used to say to the kids is, I want you to think about I'm six inches from the ground. How fast can I turn that weight around? Yeah, well that's the whole deal. That's it's it's as we coach them verbally. So you know we got a new guy and now they're they're starting to lower the weight. We don't want them to waste a lot of energy with the slow lowering at the top. Right. To let it 
let it glide down to right above the knees. And then we go slow, slower, slowest, and then boom, compensatory yep. acceleration up. Yeah. And they get, the, they get that tension and, and the, uh, the cue for them is the instant that both plates touch the platform. They got to listen. And it can't be bang. It's got to yep. be. It's got to be quiet. And the instant it touches, boom. That's when they. That's when they learn their compensatory acceleration. I think you told me that it's a hard-boiled egg under each plate. And you're not allowed to. Break. Yeah. That's how hard. That's yeah. how soft you got to touch it. Or your, your, really your kid's hand. Yeah. <laughs> your kid's hand. Yeah. That's a good one. Your kid's <laughs> hand on the floor. What? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's crazy. What, so what many about, different ways. So many about, things you can do. What about the breaking the bar from breaking the weight from the ground on the first oh, round? It's horrible. I see. No, but here's what. Huh? It's the key. Yeah, you know, it's everything. Okay, but here's thirty-five pounds on the bar, one hundred thirty-four pounds of pressure. I'm telling yeah, you. Here's, here's the question. Here's the question I have for you. I see so many, and this is mostly on Instagram when I'm looking around and posting stuff, whatever. Uh, guys that? are literally running up to the bar, barely setting. I don't even know if their hands are properly spaced on the bar and just giving it hell and just jerking the thing off the ground. Now, the way you guys have told me is, you know, you get, you get set up, you lower down, you're using a lot of your quads and then you're breaking the bar off the ground kind of slowly. And as you come up, you give it more and more gas. And therefore, I, th I think that's a better way to kind of prevent screwing your back up as well. James, James, take it away. I spend more time on taking that slack out of the bar than any other part of the deadlift. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's so fundamental to the movement because as soon as somebody doesn't do that, their ass comes right up in the air. Exactly. And now what we got to do? Now right. we got to use all low back to get that weight up to the knees. You got to take the slack out, and that weight should quiver. Yes. Quiver. Yes. Quiver. Before and, it and, launches, right before it launches. And somebody's super. I, I, I always think about it because I used to live in uh, right around Cape Canaveral, and that rocket would sit there, man, and it would just get that steam going and get that yeah. steam going. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's and the same and, thing. And they had, know, the whole, they had the hold down clamps. And they'd let the rocket build up to the yeah. hundred thousand pounds of thrust, and the hold down clamps would be holding it down. Then they put well, take those clamps off, and then it's back. and that's the image that I use with the guys in the, the deadlift and the squat. The image I think of when, when you guys told me about the uh, the deadlift and how you break it off the ground is is a turbo. You know, when you mash a pedal to the ground, the turbo doesn't respond right away. It there's kind of a lag. Very good. Very good. Very and good. Kind of, it turbo kind lag. Of That's right. Slowly builds, yeah, and then it yeah. just takes off. Well, uh, we like the hold down with the Saturn rocket image better. Oh, okay. You know, if you can teach somebody how to wedge themselves down. So what I do is I put my hands on the bar. Now my butt's up in the air. Now when I wedge myself in the bar, that's when I take the slack out and get the position that I need to get in. <clears throat> he, Jim is a master at the the wedge. I mean, the, the, the ability you get up against an object. Cassidy used to say it's like trying to pull a 
a really hard nail out of a floor with a crowbar. I'm like, oh, that's good. But Jim is a master of, uh, yeah, it's like build, 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 build. And then that, that, that bang, that instant of, of law. How do you know when the maximum buildup has occurred? Jeez. I don't know. When I, man, I go through all kind of mental stuff. So I think about creating imprints in the ground with my heels Heels, so you're pushing on your heels. Oh, yeah, my whole, I, I think calves, hamstrings, low, but all the back half of my body, right, when I wedge myself down. And then one thing that really helped me, I forgot who was telling me this, but activate my lats to keep that bar close to the shin. Yeah, So good one. like doing a cable, a straight arm cable row almost, yeah. you know, to get it back. I'm doing it right now when I'm sitting here. <laughs> you know, yeah. put, that, put those lats back. And then when you wedge yourself, you know you're doing it right if your warm-ups, if you fall backwards, if you, you know, you feel like yourself, you're falling backwards, and that bar yeah. leaves the ground before you start the movement. And you know, yeah. that quivering starts leaving the ground. Oh, I got to put more weight on so this bar doesn't leave the ground because I'm putting so much tension on it. It's like if, if there's a car stopped at a red light, and I'm coming, and the red light turns green, that's that tension. I got the tension. I got my false start. I'm ahead of that guy who's starting at the red light. You know what I mean? It's a slam on the brakes and throw the passenger through the windshield. Yeah. But Jim, Jim, yeah. why don't why don't we want to just run up to the bar and just jerk that thing off the ground? Yeah, that's well, a great way to rip your biceps off for one thing. I'm so concerned with being in the right position. Yeah. That I can't do that. I can't roll the bar. See, here's the thing about you know, people roll a bar and do it. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. It's not creating momentum. It's not creating anything except taking the chance of putting you out of position. Where, where do you get your role models from? You don't get it from some guy at the YMCA running up to the bar with 405. You get it from the world champions right. that Jim and I happen to know, and we see him in action, and you see the world champions, and it's like it's a very, very serious thing. And the deadlift will hurt you bad. I think the deadlift is the most dangerous lift. Uh, for one reason is because you can keep repping your upper body. And I had Dr. Jim Wright, who's deceased, but he was the science editor at, Muscle, at the Flex Magazine for uh, forever. Jim was my Arkansas buddy. And um, he told me, he said, the deadlift is so dangerous because you can keep repping because your, your legs and your hips and your lower back are still strong, but your upper back is now fatigued mm. and you keep going, but you've got, now you've got a fatigued upper back. And he says, that's where the, the disc injuries occur mm. in the deadlift. And he says that'll also, it has a tendency to pull, pull the athlete forward. And again, once those, once the, once the shoulders get in front of the knees, to complete the lift, you've got to straighten back out again, and that's and if your spine is bent because your your muscles are fatigued, it's, uh, that's not a good situation, particularly if it's a, a limit limit attempt, right? So the deadlift can be dangerous, and that's why I always have we don't do more than five reps, and if the form breaks down, they they got to cur curtail the set. That's right. it. Yeah, I mean. And the problem is you get beginners or even intermediates who, who – see, that shortens the pull when you round your back. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> and you can get away with it. But I'm like, look, man, yeah. your body is going to take the easiest way out. But it's not always the best way, right? 
So you have to fight the urge, especially when you're just getting strong, to round that back. You got to stay through it. If it moves slower, so what? Eventually, it'll move faster. It's just like when you bench press and guys flare their elbows out. Have patience with your elbows in. Your triceps are weak. Eventually, they'll get stronger, and you'll be able to tuck your elbows and keep them there. And it's just like with the low back. If your erectors aren't strong enough, you're not going to get them stronger by rounding your back. you got to stay in that flat position. Now, uh, the great German Bertman, the Finnish 181-pound world champion for, like, I don't know, six years in a row, the Finns were expert sumo deadlifters, right? That was their thing. So his lats were like, I don't know, they're like Dorian Yates, right? And when he sumo deadlifted, his lats were, if you looked at him from behind, because, we, you know, I'd be backstage, so I could see him from behind. His lats flared out. I mean, I mean, he looked like a pro bodybuilder. And this is a 180-pound guy who's maybe 5'5". Five, five. <clears throat> he used to smoke <laughs> until he went up to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the Bulgarians when they're weightlifting. Uh, he went up to, oh, oh, let me tell one quick story. So, so uh, this is the, the 90, 1991 World Championships in Oribro, Sweden. I coached Dan. Dan won the World Championships at 165, pulled the world record deadlift. I forget what it was at the time, 754, whatever it was. And, you know, right before the lift, I'm with him at the chalk box. And he goes, he looks at me and he puts his hands for it. And he goes, give me some strength, Marty. And I'm like, oh, hell. <laughs> so I put my hands out like that. And he's like, and he's like jiggling. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. Whatever works. <laughs> And he turned around and pulled the weight and came back and gave me a hug. I was like, that was one of the high points of my coaching career. I'll tell you what. But later, so at the awards banquet, right? They have an awards banquet at the end. Dan won champion of champions. Wow. Right? So he goes up on stage and he gets the champion of champion award. He comes down and he's hugging me. And here comes Jermo Viriton and his brother, Yako, and about four other big giant Finnish guys and they come over and they're all smoking Marlboros and they come over and, and Jerma goes hello Dan I see you have my best lifter award hand it over <laughs> I'm like what the hell so you know we're all like rocking back in a fight stance are we going to have a <laughs> everybody's setting their feet well I'm serious are we going to and you know Dan's looking at him and he's looking you know and this guy's just smoking a cigarette like out of a movie he's like a Russian monster and then he goes ha 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 I got you with that one didn't I Danny <laughs> he's like yeah you got us with that one Jorma see you later yeah so that's my Dan Austin story <laughs> the um you know the 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 deadlift is uh it's obviously you know, uh, a powerlifting, uh, one of the main powerlifting lifts. It's it's widely used in CrossFit. How about for um, bodybuilding? I mean, was Dorian doing uh, deadlifts? Back workout. He got those reverse. What he liked is what reverse rows. He was good as hell at that. Yeah, That's what he but he did deadlifts, and he didn't touch the ground either. That first rep, he pull, and then oh, stick yeah, yeah, yeah. six inches off the ground. Yep, he wanted yep. a continuous tension. Okay, okay. And, and he used it mainly as a. Um, Hamstring exercise. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. Not so would, much erect. Uh, I would think it's a it's a great bodybuilding exercise. I mean, it can add you know a lot of mass. Didn't um, 
Um, uh, Ronnie Coleman, I mean, he did a lot of deadlifts. Oh, he was yeah. always lifting heavy. All the guys with the thickest backs are great deadlifts. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not going to get a, a, a giant back with huge traps and, you know, doing uh, lat pull downs. I always think about the deadlift. It's a grow or die exercise. Man. <laughs> it's so hard on your body. It's your whole body's going to die. I love it. That's why it's so effective. Yeah. Well, well okay. Let, let me ask you something based on that. If you guys, this is a hypothetical. Um, if you had to choose between the deadlift or squat, just one exercise you could do, which one would it be? Oh, it'd be the squat, period. Squat? <clears throat> There's no you, doubt about it. Yeah. I would say if, if you only could do one, it would be the squat. My favorite is the deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. And it again, I think that they're I think they're linked. I don't think that you should or could separate the two. I don't think you I think that the squat improves the deadlift. Yeah. Uh, I always know, and we used to say again, if, if we use the technique that we use, whether it's and the technique that we use is applicable both to conventional and sumo. And if you use the style that we use, if you push up your squat, your deadlift automatically goes up. Right. Yes. Ed Cohn said the same thing last week. Yeah. If yeah. you push it again, if you you have a relative, you have an upright torso because you don't want just shoulders in front of the knees and relatively vertical shins because you want a straight line pull. Then uh, you know you you don't you know it's it's important that you maintain right. Yeah. Jim, you, you got- know better. You, you know again, it's the way that, the way the gym pulls. Uh, now when you rep, what right. do, you, do you, you're not doing, you're not doing high rep sets. I, once in a while I would do like a, a challenge to myself. Like, uh, I bet you can't pull five, 15, five, 15 for 15, you Ooh. whatever. And I just go in there and, and do it, see what I could do. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, that it's, uh, the, when I did that, my son was in the hospital and I was, literally within three minutes walking distance from the hospital, but I didn't want to leave him, called my assistant to come sit with him, ran over, did like three warm-up sets, pulled 515 for 15, and then went back to the hospital, you know? It was just like this adrenaline, yeah. fatigue, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That that feeling that you get, like I'm a pulley. If my son can be sitting there with 10 tubes, I can go deadlift 515 for some reps and go, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. yeah. You guys use uh, straps. How do you feel about straps, Jim? Uh, I never use them. I know Marty uses them sometimes on some down sets. Um, I use them all the time. I love them. Okay. Um, I just, I've never lost a deadlift in competition because of my grip. If I started losing deadlift in competition because of my grip, I would have thrown away the straps, but it never happened. Yeah, here's what I don't like is that now everybody's talking about all oh, this guy's deadlifting a thousand and it's not a deadlift when no, you're using not. straps in no a it's not no it's not it is not it's just, it bastardizes the Absolutely. lift when, when you're saying you did this in a competition you did a, a strapped deadlift in competition it's a totally different yeah lift. yeah i mean you, you you're not even the weakest link in the deadlift is your grip that's the yes. first one exactly but what what our strategy was is that with straps, we were able to overload the back muscles that yeah. would be limited by the grip. So we yeah. were able to turn a single into a triple, right. a triple into a five, a five into an eight, an eight into right. a ten. Okay. And and you were only using the straps on the top set. I don't care. I mean, it's a, I'm, again, I, my grip 
never was an issue for me. And I always was on the lookout for it. And I pulled 745 on several occasions, pulled, you know, and it just it was no. never, I never felt like, oh my God, my grip. Right. I tell you, when yeah. I did feel it was when I was trying on, on the third rep with a weight and my hands would start to open. And I went, I think I could do another two reps if it wasn't for my grip. Oh, I yeah. got an idea. I'll put on some straps. And you know what? I did. I could. And my back got bigger as a result. Did you have uh, Karwaski using them because he had the smaller hands no, issue? No, 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 no. No? Guys like, guys like Steele and Kirk, they have uh, hands like bear. They have bears. They have no prestidigitation. You know, they yeah. can't pick up a dime off a table. <laughs> 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 I tell you where I did use straps, JP. Was uh, the first time I pulled over seven. I did a lot of rack deadlifts with up to eight. Oh yeah, and uh, there's a brutal lift that no one knows about. I would do a lot of those, and then uh, I would do heavy bent overs with straps, like a yeah. heaving, heaving bent over row. Um, I would do one day of heaving and one day of super strict bent over rows, mm. but I'd only deadlift like once every seven to ten days. But uh, uh, you know the traditional. Yeah, I was going to do racks on Monday, and I wasn't going to do you know conventionals later in the week. It's, yeah, you know. you're not to recover, right? And, pl and plus, you're going to do heavy leg work. Hardest thing, hardest yeah. thing to recover from. Well, also you you have heavy leg work thrown in too. Yeah, you got to do squats too. I always I always went with squats over the deadlift because I knew that made my deadlift stronger. Yeah. It, even if I don't train to deadlift, I, well, when I'm when I'm light in body weight, I always have 50 more pounds. Whatever I squat, I can do 50 more pounds of my dead. When I'm heavier, I always have 100 more pounds. Whatever I can squat, I have 100. I know, without even training in it, I have 100 more pounds in the deadlift. Yeah, right. And that's just my ratios that I've developed over the years. You you know, you just know these things. Ed used to say that. Well, he did last week that he would save his sumo deadlift for the last four weeks before competition. And it was always good for 40 to 50 pounds more than his conventional. Yeah. Right. And that was his, that was his ratio. So again, it's, uh, it's interesting. Mar Marty today and in, in today's competitions, do you think more people are using the sumo than the conventional? Um... I don't know. I haven't watched any, any recent competitions, man. Yeah. I live in a cave, cave up here. I don't know anything about what's going on out there. Jim would be far, no, far better. Yeah, what I do think you think, Jim? Eastern, I think a lot of the Eastern Europeans went with the hook group and the hook grip and the sumo deadlift. I've seen a lot of those guys mm -hmm. do it because now you're shortening the pull, right? Especially with a double overhand. And guy, a lot of the big guys were tearing their biceps. So I think a lot of guys went with the hook grip to sort of uh, diminish the chance of that happening. I'd teach a kid to hook. You know what I'm saying? If I had, I think it's tough for a, a already formed lifter to learn it. Yeah. So when it's a difficult transition for somebody who's, you know, if you're 35 years old, it's a tough switch over. Well, so when Brad, when Brad switched, he and Rob Wagner were at, at the Worlds or at Nationals, and I think Rob may have missed a lift on grip or something. So he started calling Brad, and we'd be in the office, and Brad would say, okay, here's what I want you to do, because he's a technician, which you'd already said. But he would have Rob do like a set with with straps, double overhand, then a set with the hook, and a set with straps until he started to eliminate the strap sets and just go with the hook. Taught him how to tape his fingers and all that stuff. I mean, Brad had it down to a science, and then – 
Wagner ended up pulling like that. Uh, I think he pulled 672 at 181. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob, Rob is a determined scientist. Yeah. So it was interesting. And I, I tried it. I just, I just never, you know, I tried it and tried it and tried it and never had the confidence in the hook that I had. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I think if I had it to do all over again, I would learn it. Yeah. Uh, we kind of had it in Olympic lifting bill yeah. star bill star used to say that he used to drive his car using a hook grip <laughs> <laughs> well that's the way to get you to do it what does that look like <laughs> you wrap around the steering wheel and when you you're in control baby like, all right we're gonna do the hook grip to it to like a football kid or whatever and you say look it's gonna feel like your thumb's gonna fall off but nobody's thumb has ever fallen off do it so you just gotta suck it up you know yeah, yeah. right once right. you get used to it you use it on a lot of stuff i, I know a lot of a lot of people use a hooker up on, on any kind of pulling one you know the eastern europeans the reason why they're so they grew up olympic lifting that's what i'm saying yeah if you grow from up the, doing it yeah. from the time you're eight yeah that's the way to do it right that's that's when to that's when to learn all this stuff yeah and I would definitely, if I could, I'd, I'd have a kid start with Olympic lifting because the payloads would be so less, right? Yeah. I'd avoid the squats and the deads and all that stuff until they hit puberty. Now, when they hit puberty, that's when you get fuel injected with testosterone, and that's that's a whole different. That's the perfect time to start the, the power training. You make gains during puberty; those gains last with you the rest of your life. How early would you start a kid Olympic lifting? Again, since the weights are so insignificant, I mean, they start them with what, Jim, a broom handle on a five pound bar when they're, you know, yeah, nothing. seven yeah. years old. Yeah. And they just have, if you snatch and you clean and jerk, they're more, I don't know, ballet, uh, athletic. <laughs> athletic and, movements. Yeah. There's no real weight involved. I mean, how much can a, a 45 pound kid snatch? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, maybe oh, I would maybe teach him overhead squat. I think that would be a good one too. It is a great exercise. Yeah, yeah right. Know. The overhead squat, full squat snatch, because kids can do that because they have that flexibility and really classy clean and jerks, like make them really little little David Riders. <laughs> There's a you know they make a lot of good equipment now, uh, especially suited for that. It could be for for younger. Uh, kids or or just starting out to learn technique you know there's technique plates there's aluminum yep. training bars that weigh like what are they like 15 pounds or something uh, so nothing, nothing's better for a set of brothers yeah so you talk about some competition just leave a set of weights laying around with a couple of alpha mm -hmm. male brothers and just 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 you don't have to do nothing right yeah. just make sure that uh no fist fights break out we had a bunch of those uh, ten-pound training plates for uh, a lot of the female teams to get you because a lot, a lot of them came out of high school not doing any of the lifts. So to, in order to teach, oh, who it. Can, not everybody can handle one thirty-five. No, no, I know. You know, so just break it down and let's let's have some fun with it. Yeah, right. And let's teach these these classy, beautiful techniques. I love Olympic lifting. It's just beautiful. I can't do it. I don't. You know, I'm stiff as a board, but. I didn't start when I was eight years old. If I was eight years old or 10 years old, I don't see any any harm in it. I think there's a lot of good to it. Sure. How do we get an Olympic lifting? I can't remember. A great for also now when you do get into serious Olympic lifting, I think the power clean would be, the power clean in the row would be my top 
uh, deadlift assistance exercises. Well, you yeah. had explosiveness off the floor. What do you think, Jim? What yeah, you I think, think explosiveness off the floor is the key. If you ask, I used to do this all the time. I used to ask the football kids, the wrestlers, and, and, and pretty much all the athletes, if you had to pick a couple exercises you know, that help you the most on the field, every single one would say clean and squat. Mm -hmm. I've never had anybody say anything else. Clean and squat. Clean right. And squat. Yeah. Right. right. Well, and the squat uh, would be my desert island lift. But I tell you this: the other, my second, my second desert island lift would be the bench. I like that combination. I like the strengthening of the the front torso and the squat. And then, if I could have a third one, it'd be a, you know deadlift or power clean. Mm -hmm. I kind of interchange those two. And the press. The press. Well, uh, the press, yeah, for sure. I, I really do. Uh, I like to press, and I've kind of relearned it in in over the past couple couple three years. You but still have the flexibility, and your your scapula still move free enough that you can get your biceps in your ears when you press. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. I got it. I got it going on. Because you start to lose that after a while. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, and because your father's comment that old people lose, what is it, the ability to run backwards? Backwards, yeah. Oh, and man, I'm running backwards like a fool. You should see me, man. I am. Oh, you got to see me. They, I might have a world record time going on for my, weight <laughs> class. my age group and weight class. I'm not having running backwards in the 100 meters today, Marty Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing 100 meters, more like 10 or 15, but uh, uh, it's like, oh, this is no problem. Yeah. My only concern is running into something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm always, uh, you know, and tripping. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you never know if you're going to hit a divot because I'm doing it outside. Right. Right. Can't you uh, wear like a? Can't you wear like a, a rear view mirror or something? You uh, know, kind of retrofit a sweat a sweatband. Here we go with the ridicule. Go on. That sort of defeats the if purpose. You, if you do all that, though, please take a picture for us to use on one of your articles. Why don't you take a picture of you running backwards, you big rhinoceros? Or that's a you know, that's an article, man. That's an article right there. Hey, let me ask you guys. Okay, so Marty, most of the, the champions that you worked with over the years, I mean, they didn't deadlift more than once a week, right? I mean, yeah, the kind of. I mean, it's just too much, man. If you're gonna squat heavy, yeah, you're gonna deadlift. That's a lot of work, and and again, you use so much of the same muscles. You use the the thighs, the abductors, the the hips, the erectors, the abs. What else, Jim? The lats, the lower lats, for damn sure. A traps. To lock what it if, out, you've got to have that upper upper back strength that we talk about. What if you're using it in bodybuilding? Can you do it? Well, I don't know. Twice I, I, a week, Jim. Jim, Jim's Jim? the bodybuilding I would champ. Still say once a week, man. And yeah. and even then, the volume should be low, and you should be focusing on that negative like crazy if you're doing it for bodybuilding. How yeah. about Jimmy? How about like the like the lighter? The, actually, there's there's two kinds of stiff leg deadlifts there's one kind of stiff leg deadlift that you keep the bar in contact with the body and that's a heavy thing mark chalet taught that to me and man he was doing like eight eight thirty or something but the bar always stayed in contact with the body that yeah. was an erector exercise yeah then yeah. the second one that we did is you purposely let the bar come away from the body Oof. Well, it became the hamstring exercise. And now they called it the Romanian deadlift. Yeah. Back then, it was just a stiff leg, bent leg, stiff leg deadlift where you let the bar swing away from the body. And by doing that, it throws the stress 
somewhat on the erectors, but the limiting factor is the hamstrings, and it becomes a much lighter exercise. Now, did you guys use any of that kind of we stuff? Did, uh, we did the Romanian deadlift, but still keeping it close to the body to okay. limit low back stre- uh, stress. And, you know, mm-hmm. remember when I was with the, the Special Forces guys, they did it with dumbbells, they did it with one arm, yep. they did it with one leg, yep. um, all those different things to activate those hamstrings even more. I think it's the best hamstring exercise. Yes. The problem is you got to be right on top of people, yes. so, you know, with their form when they're first learning it. And, yeah, and, and a lot of people can't make that hamstring mind muscle connection. Perfect. Yeah, Point. exactly right. You're exactly right. But it's an the easy way to screw your back up, though. Lats are also very difficult for a lot of people to make a mind muscle connection. It's it's uh that's why you know did you know that. The reason that the lats are the easiest to develop is because they're the least used. Is that right? Yeah, it's an interesting physiologic fact. The lats come up quicker than any muscle because they're they're rarely used. If we were cannibals, the lats would be make for ideal eating. That would be like the filet mignon. <laughs> a lot of meat. A lot of meat. Right? JP shocked into silence. <laughs> no, I like that. That's interesting. I'm just thinking about when I used to do uh, stiff-legged deadlifts. I loved them. I'll tell you, when I first did them, uh, I still remember. I was never so sore in my hamstrings oh, yeah. the next day. What, but, kind of weight, what kind of weight would you handle? I got up to about 315 oh, at, at my highest point. But I'm telling that's, you. That's a lot. That That is uh, It's not a great exercise for the health of your, your spine and your discs and everything else. So. I don't recommend going that heavy. I think Jim was going heavy like that or even more. Um, weren't you, Jim? When I originally blew my disc. When yeah, the- see? Uh, that's what I mean. And I've got disc problems as well. So I don't, I don't, boy, if you're going to do that, just, I recommend going lighter. And well, just- I, oh, way lighter. Way lighter. Way lighter. Just forget the, get the, get the mind muscle connection. Concentrate on that. Yep. Embrace the the negative. Go very yep. slow. You know, contract it the whole way. So do that. Don't worry about the weight, especially on that thing. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, I even on if you can't make that connection, you got to lighten the weight until you can. And it's the same thing with yeah. leg curls and all that stuff with the hamstrings. And you need to be able to feel it in real time. Yeah, I mean, okay. be right there, man. I had uh, I had normal people getting great results holding a twenty five pound plate. And doing like slow motion uh, stiff leg deadlifts for the hamstrings, yeah, and even a thirty five or forty five pound plate for a strong person because the leverage is so bad. But you you've got this this positioning where you're you use that Olympic lift that bowed spine. You know, like if you look at the first page of Tommy Kono's Olympic lift book, the first illustration is like Olympic lifters need to have their spine bowed. And for Olympic lifting, that's true. But for hamstring training, we do that. We don't maintain the neutral spine. We use that bowed spine. Mm-hmm. And then we do the lean forward, let the, let the, the, the glutes glide back. The bar is in front of the, the – well, the, the payload is in is in front of the body but a very lightweight is made very heavy you take a 45 pound 
plate like that and let it pull you down to where you're trying to let it touch the floor. We have them actually fold their arms up. So it's, um, yeah, that's great. Get a bigger stretch. And these people were screaming after like five reps because yeah. you do it kind of a, continuous tension kind of a, a way and each rep you, the stretch gets more extreme and most people can only do one set and they go like man my hamstrings are fried i cannot do another one yeah, but have you have to be able to make that that connection and you feel it in real time if you do it right i had to go you know i i the same thing i do with my biceps so i used to try to lift too heavy and leg curls my my heels wouldn't even come close to my butt and all that, and i started lightening the weight and my hamstrings improved. And I'm telling you, I would lift with females or small guys. They would have 60, 70 pounds on a leg curl. I'm doing 35 pounds. Yep. But, but you know, my hamstrings are screaming because I'm holding at the top for a two count. Well, uh, slowly yep. the rack, you know, yep. I'm never letting it touch the bottom. Yep. I'm coming an inch from the stack hitting and going back up again. And you don't injure yourself either. Well, it's, a, again. it's so superior when you do it like that. Yeah. And, same. I had to do the same thing with my biceps. I was like, I don't care. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, don't spin off the bicep just yet I'm because I just want to give you. Thing. I want to give you my hamstring because it oh, so, so closely resembles what you just said. Okay, go so ahead. The, the strategy that we use is you. Uh, we're only using twenty-five to thirty-five too. I'm only using twenty-five. The first thing is you use a slow start, and you drive the hips into the bench. You do not let the hips come up. The hips come up. That improves leverage. We don't want improved leverage. So you, as the, you slow start the weight, you drive the hips into the bench mm -hmm. and then at the, and you use a slow rep speed. And then as it approaches lockout, you have to lift your knees off the bench. That makes the, the hamstring insertion up by the butt cramp. Mm. Now I read in the Charlie Francis book and also David Weck told me that, that the speed comes not from the lower insertion of the hamstring but the upper one by where the butt is and it's very hard to hit so i've been trying to work on how to riddle how to hit it and the solution is is that in the in the leg curl at the very end and when you finish the rep stroke it, you say now i'm going to lift my knees off the bench and you don't get very far you only get two to three inches but that little and it 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 cramps up that insertion point you can tell it's like oh <laughs> right. you know what you know what marty try that on the cross core i was telling you i do that same uh, thing yes yes and yes, yes, and, yes. and i'm doing I'm exactly what I, I i know exactly what you're talking about because mm -hmm. when when you have your heels in the cradles on the cross core and for anybody that doesn't know what that is it's imagine a trx with rotational movement um so when you have your feet in the cradle so you've got your independently moving heels you plank up and you curl in. And as you curl the heels in towards the butt, you're planking up, you're lifting, you're driving the hips up, you're going nice and slow, you're bringing it in. But it's the same thing you were just talking about in regards to lifting the knees off the bench because you're, you're planking up more and more as you're coming up. And I'll tell you what, I've never felt such a burn Oh, it's great on the hamstrings, and I mean, and the great thing about the cross core is that it's independent movement. So you're not favoring your you're not favoring your your uh, your dominant side, and there's feedback because if you're stronger on one side, you're going to see it. You're going to have one leg going lower than the other. So so you're concentrating on keeping that even, planking up, bringing it in, burning, and and you know just uh, tightening the muscle as you bring it in. It's a great uh, hamstring exercise. It's, it's a killer. great tool. 
And a great tool. And a great tool. And it's all body weight. So, you know, I can burn myself down within, I think I'm doing 10 or 12 reps at the very most. And that's no resistance other than my body weight. And you can use it as a cardio device too. Yeah. So multi multitask. Yeah. Uh, body crusher. <laughs> would you would you guys if if somebody uh, if if a new client came to you and said, "Hey, I've got sciatica or I have uh, compressed discs," would you guys avoid the deadlift completely, or would you have a, a certain strategy for that? No, I'm not. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Um, no, I wouldn't do it. I'd be just like, you know, well, uh, you know, maybe, maybe do, we shouldn't do this. Do something. Else if somebody good. comes to me with some sort of sort sort of prohibitive pre-existing condition, I'm probably not going to get involved. Well, I'm I'm because when I ask that, I think about what you told me with the meniscus, and I told you I've got a torn meniscus on the right, and you said to work through it, you know, just kind of uh, get your squat down to a 90. Eventually you're going to have to. Eventually yeah. you, you, will, you will do that. Life will, will, you know, it'll happen. You're just going to do it systematically. Yeah. So, But yeah. we wouldn't take that approach with sciatica no. or compressed no, disc. No, 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 no. Okay. Because I've got, I've got that. I don't have sciatica. I, you know. Probably like you guys have had it. It comes in spurts. You know, once in a while it'll flare up, and then it takes months Jim, to get Jim, rid of. Jim is the expert about training on and around back injuries. This is the expert. Let's talk. Tell him. Tell him how. Yeah. To roll, so, it, roll it out for him. The deadlift, and um, when I was after I had my back surgery, I decided. Well, what are you going to do? You want to squat or you want to deadlift? So I chose the squat and deadlift very infrequently. And until I mean, I probably waited a year or something like that before I started deadlifting again and it was very infrequent and it was just for a few reps here and there um I think the problem with the deadlift is you stay in that flexion your your butt behind you for mm -hmm. so long you know and if your form is not right there now I think yeah if you're a 400 pound deadlifter and you want to do 135 to 225 keep that bar rubbing your thighs just missing your knees and scraping your shins all the time and super perfect and all that I think you can use it almost as a rehab exercise, as an exercise. Yeah, you, know, you know, I think you're. I think you're right. I think the key is keeping the bar as close to your body as possible. Because I know when I was having back problems, if I carried a weight out in front of me, oh, yeah. it, that'll make you throw your your back out, and you'll be sore oh. for two or three weeks. So you have to hold the payload close to yeah. you. It makes a big yeah. difference. Again, when that bar swung out, your shoulders had gotten in front. Yeah. So that you, you know, know, the funny thing is, JP is that backs are so individual. Some some guys will be like, oh, the trap bar feels like crap on my back. Some guys will be like, oh, the conventional feels great or like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's so, you have to find what works for you and, you and you need a coach to say, well, here's another alternative and here's another alternative until you can find a way to either do the exercise where it doesn't bother you or an exercise that doesn't bother you that works the same things. Right. Hey, here, here's a good idea that, that we've been using with great success is we've been starting the deadlift workout with the two rep power clean, extremely explosive. All the time. Love right. it. Either that yeah. or a box jump or a jump of some sort. Well, we really lights up their nervous system. Yes. And, and, and when they only have to do two reps, they love it. And and no grind, baby. We're talking. It's got to it's got to explode yeah. or, or you're done when it's. When the first grind rep appears, beep, you're, that's it. You're uh, time to deadlift. Yeah, there was a research study that came out years ago that 
people who power cleaned lightly but explosively, real aggressively before they did the vertical jump, their really vertical jump mm-hmm. was higher than people who didn't do the power clean and just did like a light warm up. Yeah. Excites your nervous system. You're ready to roll with that power clean, man. And it's a perfect time because you're, you know, all the, all the smart uh, coaches say, you know, the ideal time to do the, the, you know, the explosive lift is, is first. Right. When the central nervous system, when, you know, is fresh, when you're fresh and it's just like bang, bang. Right. And, take a rest and and you know and i tell you because of the poundage you know you sort of get up into that you know you use the olympic lift you know phraseology the 60 70 75 kilo right and then guess what time to start deadlifting yeah and you're warmed up and you know you're ready to go like into triples and here we go and we just keep adding weight to the bar and adding weight to the bar and add weight you know wherever we end up we have a target poundage for that day, wherever we are within the periodized schedule, right? You, you have, you know, you're supposed to work up to a top set. And then, but now you have your power cleans and now you have your deadlifts done because you've worked up to your top set of three or five or whatever you're supposed to. And then you can spin off and do some assistance work. And Jim, what would you, you'd what, go to your rows? That's been a rows right after that. And what's your what's your favorites? What's your what's the ones you recommend the best? Well, I like the eight style for for one day a week, and then I sort of like a heat. I got this from Deep Esquai. Sort of like a heaving heaving. Uh, it's like a probably almost similar to to Hugh's philosophy with the pulls. Remember, he used to have you right. do. Oh God, the heaves! Thing, oh, those were horrible. And, and it's developing some, <sighs> but it you know I think, and this may sound crazy. I think hanging that heavy weight down with that bent over row is something that that just improves your deadlift so much it's like you're in the worst position there yes yes deadlift. Yes. Yes. Um, yes and then you live there and you stay there yeah, yeah you feel that I mean. open, man i think it's so good for you and, I, and then you know the second day so that'd be the heavy heaving day and then the second day would be either a really strict reverse grip or a really strict uh you know double overhand but stricter and, and a little higher more like the dorian style where you're not getting so much low back work how many reps each day oh threes on the heavy day five sets of three on a heavy day i would do eight to twelve with the, with light a static, with the static weight five threes with a static weight uh, move up move up okay progressive five, five threes progressive yeah and then each week try to go five to ten pounds higher on that last set yeah second day second day is constant weight short rest just really working the lats how many reps eight to twelve okay about three sets yeah. Uh, really feeling it. Yeah, yeah. That was a de- you know that was a development day. That was a uh, let's get your fibers bigger and you can more surface areas. So it's it's uh, current thinking in bodybuilding. Like after you've trained, you really need to slam some calories, um, or not so much. I, I think that you. How could you, it not be right? Well, well, I don't, well let's hear. Let's hear from the man. I, yeah, would, I, I, think, I don't I, know. I think the research is so sketchy on the time limit to do that. Right. Like um, the, win- the window of opportunity. Yeah. But like uh, there's that protein researcher, Jose Antonio, who said, well, if you know it helps, why not do it right away? <laughs> you know? And, yeah. Just it, you know, let's do it right away. So, so I think, that, yeah, I think. It's also like the get big drink, right? There's a yeah, lot well, of- I think the guys who are bodybuilding, though, it's, it's a way with some kind of dextrose or something like that. To, yeah. Start that recovery process, and, um, they look, and they look forward to it, and they believe in it. 
that's you know that's that's the key right if you think it works it works right but yeah. yeah strongly works yeah yeah i think that's a that's good let's that um work out but you're not hungry either who the freak wants to eat after doing you know 700 deadlift you just want to slam something and get your recovery no started. and you and you want to you want to consume a protein like a pure whey protein that that has has quick absorption too you don't want to I mean, sure, okay, you go eat some chicken or whatever, but do that maybe, would you say, a couple hours after, but have that quick-absorbing quick protein right away to just suck right in there. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. You just walk over to the water fountain, uncork your, your shaker with the powder in it, put the cold water in it, shake it up, and drink yeah. it. So, I love the Perillo 50-50 plus the orange flavor. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't had that. <laughs> it is delicious. And it's uh, half uh, high BV protein and half uh, what I think maltodextrin powder. And it tastes delicious. It's like, this tastes too good to be legal. I use a double serving. Like after I really hit it, like if, if I'm yeah. coming in, you know you know how you're, you're shaking? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, shaking. And, and you don't yeah, feel like eating. You don't huh? want to eat at that time. You got to recover a little no, bit. You no, want to just no, no, no. and you're yeah. probably thirsty anyway, so it feels oh, God, good. Yes. To just... Oh, I look forward to it. It's like oh, yeah. and it tastes delicious. Now, yeah. if you're really sinful, I don't because I don't want to put on the weight. You mix it with whole milk, and that is like incredible. Yeah. That's like an anabolic atomic bomb. It yeah. tastes so good. It tastes like something you get at a at a you know a shake shop. Yeah, Rich Stokey used to mix them with full cream. Oh, I love wow. that. Oh, yeah. Like a dessert. That's Vince Garanda. That's pure Vince oh, yeah. Garanda stuff, man. That's what Vince used to do. He'd have these guys eat steaks with fat on it and drink cream, but no vegetables, no carbs, eggs, any any fat and any protein. And, you know, I mean, Vince, it worked for Vince. And who was his main guy? Muhammad, what was his name? Mockaway? Mockaway, yeah. Yeah, he was. I think he was Vince's number one protege. Uh, well, it, it, Scott it, was first. Uh, what, what did uh, you know? I'm sure um, uh, DeRizzo, Anthony DeRizzo, or you know, would would say the same thing. All diets work, mm. right? All it's diets work. Whether it's like all fat and no carbs, or all carbs and no fat, <clears throat> you could eat ice cream all the time, and and you you lose fat. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me, let me ask you guys a few more questions about deadlifting real quick, and then uh, then we'll wrap it up. Let me ask you about uh, partials in Iraq. Um, I, th- I think uh, Jim kind of touched yep. on it a little bit, but if you're at your peak, at Jim's peak, at Marty's peak, how often were you doing partials? You go, Jim. Yeah, I would cycle it in, so it would be like a four- to six-week thing. Okay. During the off season. Yeah. And then as I got close to the meet, I, I dropped the partials. It was more of a confidence thing. I, you know, I, I think it definitely helped my strength. But just feeling that 800 pull on you like that and going, oh, this is how it's going to feel. That's no big deal. Yeah. So the yeah. so the partial would totally replace the regular deadlift, right? For, no. for the four to six weeks? Or you would supplement the regular deadlift with partials at the end? Well, I would just do the partials for that time. Yeah, uh, just because of cognizant of the low back fatigue with the squat, heavy squatting okay. during the week. But then when I dropped those, I would just do the deadlift. Okay. You know, I wasn't going to do the deadlift and then parcels or deadlift and stiff legs or I was just and everybody would be like, "That's it." I'm like, "Yep, time to eat, boy." Yeah. And on a partial, in your squat, your your ass off. I mean, you're you're. You oh know. yeah. Right. And on a partial, how low are we bringing the bar? 
Uh, it's right below my knees when I start. Okay. That's right where, you, where your sticking point is. Where, you know, that, that transition from the right at the knee. And just like your, your, your full range of motion uh, deadlift, I mean, you're coming down, you're, you're just barely hitting the pins, you're coming down real slow, or you're not hitting the pins at all. I'm doing singles, man. I'm doing singles. Okay. I'm working, you know, I'm doing 650 for a single, 700 for a single, 750 okay. for a single, 800 for a single. Wow. Okay. Now you're strapping in for the eight. Oh, yeah, strapping in, belt, everything. Double overhand? Double overhand, yeah. Yeah, cool. That drives yeah. me crazy, people use straps with over-under. defeating I know. The I know. It's like, Bobby what? Coleman did that. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Well, because no one's ever pointed it out to him. I know. I know. <laughs> That's all. And yeah. so are you guys only using a belt on your top set? Is that pretty much it? No. Uh, I, I would say. Guys who use belts usually have more in the whole session. Yeah, I'd say 500 and up. Most of the guys I know, you know, you're either in the belt or you're not. And if you're in it, it's yeah. like, well, you know, you want to you want to see how it works on 135. It's a different, it's a totally different thing. you got to. You, you can't, no, you shouldn't just put it on in your top set. You need the practice, though. You have to learn how to expand against the belt. You have to learn right. how, to, how to use the belt. And you learn that on the, on the warm-up sets and the reps. and the, Exactly where right. it needs to be on your body. Where it needs to be. Oh, my God. Lamar Gant used to have the thing all the way up by his, under his pecs. Did he? <laughs> right. Backwards. And you, no, have, he, and you have to pull it in. And you keep pulling. And I'd pull it in and go tighter. Pull it in tighter. I was like, oh, my God, I can't get it on any tighter. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see a picture of that, go to our article section. Go to Lamar Gant. There's a great article in there that Marty wrote. Lamar Gant is fascinating. I I don't want to get all into Lamar Gant, but uh, he had a bad case of scoliosis. And he was – he, Marty, was he still the only guy today, to this day, to to deadlift five times over his body weight? Do the math. And he had scoliosis. Do the math in any weight class. Okay, and, so in the 198 pound class, what would you have to do? 1,200. Yeah, I don't think anybody's done that. Because <laughs> he was only what? Yeah, he was 1,200. In the he, was a, he was only what? He was in the 130s? 132. 132. And he deadlifted 687. Wow. With bad scoliosis, a backwards belt that was up under his armpits. And... <laughs> he, also, he also squatted 600. That's the thing people don't don't understand. He also bench pressed 355 raw. Yeah, that's strong, man. You should have seen his arch, man. He had an arch, unbelievable. I mean, it was like a gymnast, a gymnast, right? It was great. It was beautiful. All his lifts were beautiful. His squats were deep. And it was like, God, that guy can squat 600. And back then, the equipment was like nothing. Nothing. Right. He had like, I don't know, ace bandages for knee wrap. <laughs> you hey, know, Mar- if you want to, uh, Mar- uh, JP, if you yeah. want to see an article, and if you go to Sports Illustrated Vault, they uh-huh. got that. Terry Todd wrote a yeah. five-page article on him years ago um, in Sports Illustrated. And that so uh, it's on there. It's on the Internet. It's a great article. You know, Marty used to hang with him, train with him, all that stuff, and uh, was friends with him. I said, where is he now? And nobody can find him. I don't know where he's at. Mm-hmm. If, if Lamar's Denver. listening, contact us. We'll have you on. Yeah. I think he's in Denver. That was his, That's where he was from. Uh, yeah, one time, we, I, I didn't train with him. I mean, I just would work with him at the Nationals. He, he lifted for Blacks, 
So uh, I was the team coach for Black's, Black's Gym. Uh, yeah, Black's Gym. Cleveland. So, uh, but one time we were at lunch and uh, I asked him, I said, what do you use that? He used this super slow lowering down right and he looked like he was in a trance or something and he'd be lowering himself slowly 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 and people going like what is he doing so i asked him i said what are you doing he said oh i'm building reverse tension i said oh okay so then then when i grabbed the bar i have the tension i would if i lowered a, a weight i said oh okay and he said come over here and feel it I said, <laughs> feel it and we're at lunch, and he stood up, and we both stood up from the table. There's a whole table full of top lifters, and they're looking at us. And Lamar stands up, and he goes, put your hands on my erectors. And I did, and even through the shirt, it was like a statue. It was like marble. Yeah. Old yeah. release. They're standing out. And yeah. yeah, his erectors were like, I don't know, two pythons or something. And then he starts dropping down in slow motion, and then they, like, bulge out. And I'm standing there, and I'm going, this is surreal. Here I am feeling Lamar Gantz erectors in a restaurant. I said, this is incredible. <laughs> and then he stood up, and I said, "I said, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we went back and finished our meals, and I'm still, I still remember it. But it was like his, his muscles were like the hardest human muscles I've ever touched. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just incredible. Hey, Marty, why don't we have uh, Jim take us through bullet point the uh, the deadlift, just like he did with the squat, just f so for anybody that's listening can take quick notes, just boom, boom, boom. Set, you know, last time he had some interesting things about imagining you're standing on paper and all this. So I don't know <laughs> what he's going to say for the deadlift. <laughs> Jim can be interesting. So, Jim, you want to do that? Just kind of yeah, you go through it? <laughs> We'll go over the conventional. So when you walk up to the bar, um, you know, you want to be right where you tie your shoes, right? That's how close you want to be. You don't want to, you know, I, I'm not real big on the guys just scraping their shins right away, you know, because you got to get it around your knees. So you start right where you tie your shoes. It's just pretty close. And then I put my hands right outside of my thighs where the knurling begins. Okay. My butt is up in the air. And then actually, before I even go down, this Kirk taught me this one. I pick my big toes up. And I set them down lightly. Now that's a mental cue for me that you got to push through your heels. You got to push through your heels. So when I go down to the bar, that's where I'm thinking: if somebody pushed this bar away from me, I would fly backwards. That's how much pressure. Jimmy, where's your stance width? Okay, um, it's pretty close, man. With me, it's jeez, uh, I don't know. It's two two fifths widths, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, yeah, you're five nine. Yeah, five nine. So it shortens the pull. It's a, it's efficient, straight line. You know, but, but your your um, legs are close, tight to your hands. You don't have a wise display. No, my my actual forearms are touching my thighs. I'm just trying to do it right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the outside of my forearm is I'm touching. How does that compare to your squat width? My squat width's a little wider, probably oh. three or four inches wider. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then when I grab that bar right then I'm thinking about tension. So I pull up on the bar and I wedge myself down, still keeping that pressure on my heels. I mean, I'm talking about crushing the floor. I can you know, imprints into the floor. So much tension in my body right now. I'm thinking about everything tight from head to toe. 
head to toe flex, take that slack out, wedge myself down, and then I'm thinking, rip it. When I, I always say rip it, like rip the skin off my shins. I've never lost a deadlift. When I, you know, you feel that bar start ripping your shins, I know I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get it every time. Do you, do you, do you probably, you probably know within five inches oh, whether you're going to make it, right? It's a great feeling when that bar starts to move and you're like, oh yeah. And all I think is get it to your knees. If I get a bar away to my knees, I'm going to get it. Right. All I got to do is push my hips through, get it to your knees, get it to your knees. So I want to think slack and then as fast as I can to the knees, but it's not fast with my ass coming up. And lo- so when you lose that little connection, you'll see guys that'll try to jerk it off the ground or their elbows are bent. Your connection's gone. You've lost the connection to the bar. Right. Your arms have to be so straight. Right. You have to be, your triceps, you should be, your triceps should be standing out in bold relief while you're down at that bar. You know? and, your, and, and your lats. And, you, and then that's when I'm thinking cable row cable row before i even pull i'm thinking okay so it's, it's just a little thing you do where it's you like you pop your rib cage up and throw your shoulders back and that activates your lats you know if you do it right now you can feel it. rib cage up shoulders Boom. back now my lats are are keeping that bar close you know um and then you know once i get it to my knees i'm thinking hips 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 push right that's the deadlift. That's the Ooh, man makes me want to go out and pull right now. Get so excited. <laughs> it's, so stupid. it's not stupid, but it's funny that. No, I'm sorry. I'm serious. These things get us so fired up, get us so ready to go, man. It's just the, and it's just, it's just a bar laying on the ground. It's just a bar lay. You know, it's funny because uh, I always tell the story. I interviewed somebody at Penn where I said, "Hey, go teach. Let's go down. You teach me to squat." And they're like, "What's the big deal? You just..." get under the bar and squat it. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're not getting the job. But when he said that, I remember talking to Kirk and we were at a powerlifting meet and he asked my girlfriend, what's your rack height? She goes, oh, I never really thought about it. And he went crazy. You got to think about everything. You got to think about every single thing. This, this is a, you know what I mean? It's such a, a it's so much technique involved with so much thought. You can get certain, certain strength level doing half-assed things. But when you yeah. want to be really strong, every single thing matters. Well, that's right. what more morphs from athletics and art. Right. And the, yeah. and I think the reason people say that, well, you just squat. You know, when you're watching a true professional that's just you know at the top of their game and top of the world, uh, they make it look so easy. So yeah, yeah, it looks just like a squat. You know. You don't notice all the, but if if you really step back and just look at all the technical aspects of it it's very involved and it took i mean it took you guys years and years yeah, to really right. develop these uh <clears throat> techniques it took me 10 years to perfect my deadlift yeah, and how many times have you said to, to a kid uh hey just move your stance out two inches and it makes a huge difference yeah. you know so many little things yeah no it's uh it's interesting so uh all right. Well, that sounds good, man. That was uh, some really good information on the deadlift. Yeah, man. I, love I always, it. I always like to have you go through it, Jimmy, at the end, and uh, you know, it could be because people can can uh, just go through it in their head and watch yeah. you do it and imagine them, themselves do it. So it's we did that on the squat too. It's very helpful. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Let's see here. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Also pick up Marty's book, uh, Purposeful Primitive. We've also got Strong Medicine on there. Um, 
If you're working out at home, a lot of people are doing it. You know, we've got, uh, go to Iron Company for all your home gym needs. We've got home gyms, dumbbells, bumper plates, rubber matting, everything. And so you got bumper plates back then? Are you good with the bumper plates? We've, we've got some. Uh, okay. I'll tell you, everything. The, yeah, the entire industry is scarce right now. I, we've got a bunch coming in. Okay. Um, so, so we've got all that, but um, um, whatever you need. Um, and then we've got uh, Jim Steel articles. They can be found in our article section at Iron Company. Also, check out his his website BassBarbell.com for training, motivation, and programs. And then you guys, if if anybody is wanting, and this is a real good time for remote coaching too. I mean, if anybody out there wants to learn the deadlift or the squat or the bench or you know that kind of stuff, um, you guys will depending on the person, be willing to do remote coaching with them, put together a program, even nutrition, um, anything. Yeah. Can I get, let me just jump in real quick. Is there a lot yeah. of folks out there that are, uh, they might have the situation and they might have access to the equipment, but circumstance, because of circumstance, they've lost the access to maybe the personal trainer, the expert coaching. Uh, I am, and Jim, we're both opening up our schedule to make more room uh, for folks that are in that situation. And if you are lacking uh, serious professional coaching that you likely had uh, in normal circumstance, the remote coaching, I think, would uh, be, a, be a good alternative keep your progress moving ahead That's right. and i'm opening my schedule up i'm taking on more folks and again this is not it's this is not prohibitively expensive stuff this is all made made moderate because we want to help as many people as we can and again there is a there's a ton of folks that they have the situation they have the access to the equipment but what they lack is the professional guidance and we can provide that yeah yeah. And I always like to reiterate, too, you're not dealing with two guys that learned all this out of a book and haven't accomplished anything. You're, you're, you're teaming up with and having somebody help you that uh, trains the best in the world, the best spec ops, the best power lifters, the best, you know, and they've done it themselves. They're, they're champions in their own right as well. So We train normal people all the time. That's our thing. And we're actually yeah. coaching. We're actual coaches. We're not armchair quarterbacks. We're I'm in the trenches every week. Well, you know, in normal times, every week I coach normal people. That's what I do. That's our laboratory. Jim does the same thing. Yeah, we're coaches. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Good one. Yeah. So, fun. As usual. All right. Talk to you next week. Right. Talk to you soon, uh, Jim. Right. Don't 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 forget to talk to Chuck. I will. I'll All right. You. All right. Bye-bye.